Palace Let's is exactly sure. even. Brighton is minus naught one. So basically not a lot. That's not a surprise. Near my pay seven goals in the league this year. I don't like these stats are lying. They have to be. He gets double figures. Title charge. <laughs> Who's that one? Neil Mope. Oh dear. So this stat has Newcastle, Norwich and Watford as the worst three teams. Newcastle, Norwich and Watford? Not Burnley? No, nah, Burnley. Fourth and bottom. Yeah. On XG difference per 90. Let's, let's get them down. All on board. Um... Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the In Around Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is a surprised Michael Breslin, who, as we speak, is sitting up in his COVID-ridden bed. He is also the number one Jolinton correspondent in the worldwide sports media, but he's also number one N-Dubs correspondent. Mike, how are um, you? Newly formed COVID correspondent, so yeah. <laughs> COVID correspondent. <laughs> how are you, everyone? Mike, um, com- I'm on the mend. Oh well. yeah. Comment on the rumours that you're not vaxxed. They're, those rumours are false. <laughs> okay, good stuff. Glad yeah, glad okay. that we can Can't get confirm. that out of the way. He has been hugging Novak Djokovic though. Um, Mike, I, I don't want to start in a bad place, but I feel like we have to. What do you make of the United Twitter admin tweeting out that Donny van der Beek had reached 50 United appearances? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was the second most egregious tweet that I've seen this week from, uh, from Man United's Twitter. Off the back of the, who else does a hundred sous a day? I saw Van der Beek completed nine full No, he, he, aver- he averages eight starts, something like Dur- that. During those, yeah, thirty-four <laughs> minutes of per appearance for Donny Van der Beek. Shocking. I mean, Shocking. what that sub that Ralph made? What in the world? Well, you bring him on with a minute to go and it's clear we needed legs for about half an hour. Yeah. Disappointing. It was Straight tough. out of the Ollie rule book, that one. United really poor against Villa. I can tell you I was there live. Really poor. Our whole end really. correspondent. There you are. Coming to you right, straight from the Trinity Road. I tell you what, the bloke behind me didn't have a clue what was going on. He, he was like... I'm tough on referees, but when the entire whole end was chanting, you're not fit to referee at David Coote, who hadn't put a foot wrong all afternoon. I was a little bit, I was just sat there going, yeah, I'll tell you what. Bad day for my Coutinho's not very good takes, but um, yeah. Um, also joining us today is uh, Mr. David Carmichael Harris, the Mosley Marauder himself. Dave, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Will. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Yeah. We waited 25 minutes for that. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, I, can't, I don't want to talk about football too much in terms of Birmingham City, do I? So I was hoping to just gloss over it and move straight on to what we're going to talk about. We, all right, we'll move on. We won't talk about them. We'll talk about another underperforming blue team. Um, Everton, the Ev. If we had to pick as a podcast... The team we hate the most. It wouldn't be Everton. It would be it Spurs. Be it would be Spurs. Everton in the running for a top five. Everton can't even finish top seven in most hated teams. Really? Because I feel like we complain about Everton a lot. No, yeah, they'd be high. 
they would be high. Mm. I think we don't like Newcastle. Newcastle will be top, uh, top, top three probably. At this point, we don't like Norwich. Let's be honest. No, we don't like Norwich. We don't like Norwich. We don't, we don't like, like Watford. Christ. We do like Emmanuel Dennis though. It's a, oh yeah, yeah, what a player. We don't like their treatment of Emmanuel Dennis. Anyway, speaking of things we really don't like, Rafa Benitez got the sack. Um, does oh, I any, did like that. Yeah, I did like that. Does anybody, anybody think this was the wrong move? No. Nope. Sorry. I, I mean, there's, there's not a lot, there's not all that much to say that probably hasn't already been said, but it was a disaster of an appointment to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, given that, as soon as something went wrong, which it it has, the, the fans were going to turn against him, given his history at Liverpool. It's obvious. It's like it's uh, it's just one oh one of like fan culture. You know this is coming if he if he goes on a bad run, and this run has been horrendous. They are where are they in the league? Sixteenth, ever to the sixteenth, and they deserve to be there as well. Uh huh. Agreed. Um. They've won one of their last something like 19 in the league, I believe, which is a, a bizarre game against Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal. Uh, who were also in a bit of a torrid run at the time, I think. Um, so, yeah, totally on board with that decision to get rid of him. The interest comes, I guess, in, in what's next for Everton and where they're, where they're going, which we will, um, I'm sure, get on to. Yeah, let's talk Benitez first. Um, at this point, Dave, is Benitez a good manager? In your no, 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 I don't think so. Why uh, not? He seems unable to really. He seems unable to make like anything sort of tactically consistent. I mean, yes, Newcastle fans will, for example, say that he was quite good. But in reality, it's more because they preferred him to Steve Bruce, is what I feel like. Um, at Everton, he didn't get anything going at all, to be honest. And he seems to, I mean, he did also, in his, I guess you could say, his prime, even at Liverpool, for example, he upset players. He keeps upsetting players. Um, I mean, we might as well talk about it now. He sold their left back, he was probably their best player. And now he's gone. Yeah, and now he's gone. Shiri, what are you doing? But, but the reason, the reason he like isolated him from <coughs> so down to personal reasons. Why go through with selling the player if you're gonna sack the manager that has the problem with him? Like, come on, Lucas Digne, other than like a couple of left backs, is he's a top I'm, five left back in the league. I'd say he's top five. Depending on your thoughts on Kieran Tierney, he's top four. And yeah, but Kinsella's a, a right. Yeah, he's, trade, he's okay. definitely a top five left back in the league, and you've sold him. But I think with Benitez as a whole, he just hasn't really achieved anything for a long time. I mean, unless you're going to count getting Newcastle back up to the Premier League, and he just his tactics are outdated. Like they used to work when he was, you know, like fifteen to twenty years ago. They they just don't work in today's football. But but. Currently, we're trying to do a more measured thing, which is where we uh, we we don't get we don't we don't get too heated on the podcast. We try and try and look at these things from a a more a, like you know a more analytical eye. But when it comes to 
the Rafa Benitez, I cannot look at him with an analytical eye. The man, the man is shit. Right, the last time Rafa Benitez did a good job, debatably, was at Liverpool. He was, Mm. he failed, it was an abject failure at Madrid. He failed at Inter Milan, he failed at Everton, he failed at Newcastle. And this is how it goes with Rafa Benitez. He says, he gets you in, he goes, right, regardless of the players you've got, he says, we're going to play dour, boring football. We're going to work on dour, boring football. And then when it doesn't go our way and when the fans go, why can't you be a, a bit more expansive? Rafa Benitez goes, well, I haven't got the players I need. I haven't had the investment I need. I'm having to work with all these other things, which is why he was such a failure at Real Madrid, because he couldn't complain about that there. His man management is shocking. And like you look at Zidane, who came in at Real Madrid, and all he did was manage egos and it worked fine. He was hated at Chelsea by fans players everyone hated him hated at Everton he was half liked at Newcastle I'd imagine I don't think the players were too sick to see the back of him I can't imagine they would be and by the end at Newcastle he was hated like, I mean even Stevie G and Jamie Carragher don't talk about Benitez the person with any real warmth do they he just seems to float around and basically just be miserable everywhere and he just sucks. Honestly, he was better <laughs> off as the villain in Toy Story 2. He's just woeful. He's a woeful manager. And quite frankly, get him out of it. And while I'm on the subject of Newcastle, the only reason they like him is because they've been so starved of any real footballing pedigree for about the whole of their club lives, except for a few years, that they saw a bloke rock up with a league title in the Champions League. And they were like, ooh, he was shit there. And he was no better than Steve Bruce, quite frankly. No better. I've never forgiven him. While he was there, proves that too. Never forgiven him for that Monday night football where he turns up against City and he's like, well, we're just not going to try. It it went beyond. It went beyond thinking, we'll sit deep and we'll try and counter-attack them, which is what people have done against City. It was, we'll sit deep. If they score, we don't care. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. He's just a a charlatan of a man and I could be more happy that he's been sacked. <laughs> I've got no love lost for Everton, but they honestly they do they could do better than that snake oil salesman. Christ he's shot. <laughs> he's, no, he's a he's a toy barn owner. He's honestly, do you want to talk about how absolutely dour Everton are and you want just like the most base stat this year is me and Mike were looking at the number of percentage of passes made by teams Everton are in 17th they've only made 1,000 more passes than fucking Burnley what are we doing here like Sean Dyche is doing miracles up there he's turned them in, he's turned Everton into Burnley too oh god I hate it they're not <laughs> even good at being Burnley either no they're crap they're absolutely anyway right after I've said all that, this next question is going to seem quite wild. Are you ready for this? So I'm putting my analytical hat back on. We, usually in this situation, we uh, could criticise the club for getting rid of a manager too early. Uh, does it apply here to you, boys? Have you seen anything at all that could indicate that they should have maybe kept him around? No. Good stuff. Absolutely not. Zero. <sighs> Yep. I mean, I, I, yeah, normally we'd have a problem with managers getting the sack. There's no issue in this case. Uh, I do think it's worth pointing out that while Benitez is a large part of the problem, there's clearly... It's no need to mention it's 
Sorry. Oh, I can't believe it. It's gone. No one's got it. Well, carry we on, Mike. We, have, we haven't heard you. Carry on. Say it. It. It'll be funny this time, I promise. So there's no need to mention his, his weight, Mike. Fat shaming. Wow, Dave. Did I? Wow. Well, wow, Dave. That's part of the problem, Mike. Well, he is a large part of the problem, but there's a, there's also a large problem upstairs. I don't know about Mashiri's weight, but we'll just carry on. <laughs> I don't know what he weighs. Oh, I will Google oh my it. God. Um, but yeah, Mashiri, <laughs> basically Benitez has gone from Newcastle, where Mike Ashley is, or, or was, um, where he's he's got no money because Mike Ashley doesn't want to spend, to like a guy who seems as clueless about football in uh, in Mashiri, but has loads of money and just keeps pumping it in there and getting almost the, as bad results as Mike Ashley was. It's quite sensational. I, I mean, some of the stats about Mashiri's spending during his time there and some of the spending they've done has been appalling. Yeah. Absolutely. Some of the transfers, I mean, the squad is... When you think about how much money they've spent on that squad, the squad is atrocious. The ground still needs redeveloping or, or the new stadium or whatever they're doing. I mean, Everton as a as a club as a whole, it's it's not a project you want to walk into right, right now. Let's do this because Ever- where do Everton want to be? Everton want to be they want to be in the Champions League, but they want to be fourth. They want to be fifth, sixth. So think yeah, they should be Europa League challengers every year. Let's think about them in relative to West Ham, for example. Is there a single Everton player that you would have over a player in West Ham? That West Ham currently have? I can't think of a single one. Not that, not that I can think of right now. I mean, Calvert-Lewin, a fit Calvert-Lewin is probably better than Antonio. Than Antonio. But in fact, he's better than Antonio. Antonio does see West Ham down He does, city. he does. But, but purely talking about the qualities of, on paper, yeah, fit Calvert-Lewin at this point is a better player. But other than that, I can't think of a single one. Luca Digne, you probably would have would have said would have been it. But like you look at their, well, yeah. you look at this squad now. Like Michael Keane, honestly, he's pulling oh, a car oh. every time you see him. He's got no defensive awareness. Like these geniuses looked at Norwich's defence and were like, "Yeah, I'm going to pick up Ben Godfrey from there." He stood out. Fuck me, what a decision that was. <laughs> they're like, they're like, oh, we will We'll buy Decore from Watford. He was the standout player in a team that got relegated. Like, do they just do they do the thing everyone does on Football Manager, where they look at the teams who have gone down and see who they've got, they're able to get on a free. Like, they just have one of the worst squads in the league, and they started off the season with a bit of a hot run of form, and everyone's like, "Oh, Andros Townsend and Damari Gray, good bits of business." I'm like, "There's a reason you got them for a million and for free. There is a reason." Awful squad. The squad's terrible, and all their players seem to be in the same position. And then they've just added Anwar El Ghazi, who everyone knows is one of my favourite players. <laughs> to the ranks. Oddly enough, oddly enough, might be an improvement on some of the stuff they've got well, already. So, I mean, somehow we look. I mean, this is a team that pays Alex Awobi's wage after paying forty or fifty million for him. I mean, look. I think I think there's I'll say this about Iwobi. As a as a, if they put him in midfield, like a small central midfield role, there is I think there's a player there. But in no way is there a player that's worth forty million to a club like Everton. 
no way. It was a bad deal when they made it. It, it. it was unbelievable. But it would be bad enough if you make one bad deal. But when you make bad deal after bad deal after bad deal, heads after roll. There's a string of them. An absolute string of them. Morgan Schneiderland comes to mind. Uh, they were doing that whole deal for a while, weren't they? Just buying United shite. Mm. But under Moyes, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> I, but is what's what is the big like the squad? Oh, look, the squad's bad. Yeah, it is bad. The, the manager was clueless. Like honestly, he's just a fraud. But <laughs> like, and uh, sorry, I know he's got a Champions League, but I don't care. Like he won that. He won that based off the fact he had a couple of really good players and one of the all-time great comebacks. He should have got pumped by AC Milan and he should have got pumped by Jose Mourinho. Bloody referees kept him in. Anyway, um, but what's the big, what is the overarching problem in Everton? Because they just feel like a club that's listless, with that doesn't know where they're going. So how do you even go about fixing that? I think, I think one thing with Everton is even though they act like they're a, a project, it seems that the only once, I mean, obviously this season is a bit different due to the financial restrictions. It's like every time there's been a new manager, they've won instant success, which means instead of maybe buying smarter signings that maybe within a few years, they'll be the player you want them to be, but at least you'll get to mould them and you won't spend extortionate amounts. They've just been picking people up who they think are a, sort of a quick fix, but someone that... If they come off, they could be sensational. And it's not it's not sustainable. It's why they've kept spending so much money. They just keep buying players for big fees, thinking, oh, this is what we're missing that will sort us out. But if you're going to buy so many players, you're better off making it a project, allowing the manager time to buy maybe a few younger players, buy some more experienced players and Sort of what West Ham have done, let's be honest. West Ham are a good model for that. Over time, mm-hmm. they've got a few smart smart signings, not many of them for big money. After a few years of being coached together, they're great. Everton are like, hey, here's a chatbook. Go and pay 50 million for a player that's worth 30 at most. Because, like, Barcelona, come on, they bought Yerry Mina and Andre Gomez of Barcelona for pretty big money with massive wages hammers they signed put him on probably a smack like massive wage he's went for free like what are these guys doing seriously like seriously but what are they doing west west ham's again another interesting comp because i don't they think this wrong for years before they yeah, were well, well i, I don't think the leader i don't think the leadership I don't think the leadership still knows what they're doing, to be honest. But what I do think is they've done the right thing in saying to Moyes, who seems to be a, a bit of a fo- he's a football man, he knows what works, and they've given him a bit more of the reins and they've sort of kept out the decisions. But look at look at what's happened in the last six months. Like you're not Everton spent ages looking for a coach in the summer. They almost had a deal agreed with Nuno until he kept trying to back out. But it feels weird about what they what they wanted to. do. Like going from Ancelotti to Nuno is a bizarre decision for, and it's a bizarre decision for a squad that's short on centre backs. But the, the other thing is, you then bring Benitez in, who was your second choice, and within six months he sacked your medical director, your head of recruitment, your manager of scouting, your director of football, and got rid of your second best player or your best player, depending on how you think about Calvin Lewin. 
That is no, short term. In six months, how are you supposed to build anything with that level of turnover? Even at fucking Chelsea, where they sack managers like Smarties, they keep the back, they keep the rest of the the idea in place so they can keep succeeding. Yeah, I think I'd go, I'd go down the director of football route, and then he's he will hire the manager. Yeah. Not. Do they have a director of football? Maybe, maybe they do. I don't know. Uh, no, I thought he, he got, got sacked. He, he got, got sacked recently, though, right? Rightfully so. He did get sacked recently, yeah. But it was—I think it was the fifth of this. I say fifth. I say I've just done a day. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just done a day. No, it was <laughs> the fifth of December. Um. So you sack him, but again, you got to get your director of football appointments right. So they've sacked him six weeks ago to back Rafa. And now Rafa's gone six weeks later. Also, it's so, it's so short term, it's ridiculous. And yeah, like you say, Will, get this man, this director of football, man, woman, whoever it's going to be, in above the manager, and they hire the manager in the style that they want. Go and get Ranjit. <laughs> but, but can you succeed at Everton if Mashiri, who knows nothing about football, is going to no. keep sticking his oar in? Well, he has yeah. to stay out of it. He could open the checkbook, and that's it. That's that's what you should do. Yeah, Dave? Yeah, the thing is, Everton as well, is they've just had this plan approved for that that new uh, stadium. Super expensive. Obviously, that means moving forward, they're not going to have money to spend. They may well even have to sell players to balance the books. Financial fair play is going to be interesting. They've basically spent loads of money on a club, on, on players that aren't good enough. Whoever comes in isn't really going to have any money to spend. Like, to be fair to Rafa Benitez, he didn't have any money to spend. I'm not saying it's Benitez that's giving Benitez. But if Rafa didn't have time, sorry, didn't have money and they've just spent God knows how much paying him off, whoever comes in isn't going, even if they get someone this week, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think they're getting any money between them. Yeah. Like, it's, it's unsustainable off the field, but on the field, it's, it's crazy crazy everything's gone wrong i don't think i ever clicked that but okay uh why do, why do these clubs <laughs> keep giving out like three-year deals to uh to managers yeah pretty much no manager last three years but the the idea is the idea is managers now do three-year cycles uh, but they go, who does uh, that? Klopp and Guardiola do that, and that's it. And even they do it longer now. It, it's 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 not as long as the five year deal. But the idea is, if you do a three year deal, you're a bit more secure than if you do like a year deal. And the manager goes actually at the end of the year, I want to walk away. It's all about club control. Bullshit. Give your director of football a long deal. Yeah, that's what I will say. Um, I'll I'll Benitez probably got a little bit unlucky with the fact that Calvert Lewin was out. I think anyone would struggle if Calvert-Lewin was out, was managing Everton. That said... Well, that said, they let Solomon Rondon yeah, go. And that's, I, get, I mean, how can you no, do that when Calvert-Lewin's out injured? No, they got Rondon in. Well, they got him in. I mean, that's grads for sacking too. Oh, that's good business. <laughs> it's not good business. Um, but you say he's got... We say he's had no, invest, no investment and stuff, but... <laughs> gets rid of Rodriguez, just doesn't fancy him. Um... 
gets rid of Lucas in, yeah, just doesn't fancy him. These are good players that he's throwing, by the way. So, so I've got absolutely zero sympathy for the fact he wasn't able to buy. Like, he knew what he was doing when he took that job. And quite frankly, I'm convinced Rafa Benitez takes these jobs with financial constraints to cover up the fact that he's a giant failure now. <sighs> the big fan, as you can tell. Um, who goes to Everton? Why should anyone go to Everton? Who do you think will go to Everton? I'll be honest, I'm I'm a bit shocked at this Roberto Martinez chat. <laughs> yeah, same. I, not, not just because I think Mar- he's, a, he's a bold fraud, but also... It would be hilarious, let's be honest. That side would be entertaining. But why would he go there? He's, be- Roberto he's the Belgian Martinez. manager. Look, me and Mike, mine and Mike's feelings on Roberto Martinez has been clear on this podcast for a long time. I will say he's a better manager than Everton right now. Even if I think he's a fraud, he's better than Everton. Yeah. And he also has a better job than Everton. Mm-hmm. Why, I don't, why would he go there? I don't like the names that are linked. Like they they talk they've talked about Frank Lampard. And if I'm Frank Lampard and I want to repair my um I want to repair my career a little bit after it got dinged up in that second oh. season at Chelsea, oh. I am not taking a job at Everton where the squad shit. But it's also as it, it's also as like an insecure job as at Chelsea. I'm not taking that job. Why would I do that? It makes no sense. Wow. Like, so Martinez is, is the huge favourite right now, uh, followed by William D- Duncan Ferguson at 6-1 to one, and then Lampard at 14s. Oh, Rooney, uh, please. I re- yeah, I also want to go on record saying, Rooney, please, Rooney, if you're listening, wait, <laughs> down at Derby. Don't go there. Finish Don't the job. There. Finish the job at Derby. The, Some the job is going to come up again. It's going to come up again. Rooney might. If Rooney was to take that job, of those candidates, could you see him probably they doing the? Could you see him? Because let's be honest, lads. Halfway through the season, 19 points from 19 games. Everton's worth running years. They are not too good to go down. Cannot. So you're looking at a job at keeping them in the league. So if I'm Everton, I'm not giving Duncan Ferguson an extended run of games. No, uh, I, no, you you wouldn't. Even though he got he got a nice bounce, obviously last time he was in temporary charge. But you can't rely on that to keep you in the Premier League. God, Nuno's fifth favourite. Imagine if that comes around to roost again. He can't get another Prem job, can he? But yeah, on the Rooney thing, he's doing a, a quite stunning job at, at Derby at the moment. Mm, mm, and I, mm. I personally want to see if if they can complete that there. Um, yeah, me but too. as far as keeping Everton in the league, doesn't seem like a terrible option. But that, if you're listing Mashiri, you didn't hear me say that. He's unavailable. <laughs> All right. I, I'd like to see if he can complete the job at Derby myself. But. Well, I mean, they're after... They're after Graham Potter, aren't they? They've said that. Honestly, if Graham Potter goes there, there's nothing much left to say. Everton announcing that they're interested in having Graham Potter managing managing the club is like me announcing that I'm interested in going on a date with Anna Damas. Like, <laughs> I can be interested all I want. It's never fucking happening. <laughs> and Graham, if you're listening, don't go there. Yeah, don't go there, Graham. All right. Don't go there. So for all the famous people that are listening, 
just drop us a little follow <laughs> at in and around pod over on, on Twitter. Yeah. If you know the brand people at Cafe Rouge, let us know so we can talk to them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Anyone got any more to say about Everton? I don't feel like we've helped. Um, I feel like no. we've just pointed out yeah, how bad it is. Football. And, oh, I don't know, really. I don't know get, who they should go for. Get a good director of football. Yeah. Maybe maybe someone should over there should talk to Mashiri and say, you see these other clubs around the league. You know the you know where they're buying younger assets and hoping and they've got them for more. Yeah, maybe we should do that for a bit. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay. <sighs> awful, awful, awful situation up there. He needs to, yeah, he needs to have a closer look at his scouting intake. The, the older football manager. The, that's a great day, isn't it? Yeah. Um, when the youth intake comes in. Oh, he's got a five-star midfielder. Here we go. I don't think I've ever had a five-star midfielder come in. It's always goalies. Yeah, you, you end up with like four or five goalies that are really yeah. good. You can only play one at a time and it's just a bit an absolute disaster. And goalies never go for much either. That's the worst no. thing. Killer. Killer. Um, up next, I guess, to have a quick chat about is uh, you, you wanted to talk COVID, Mike. <laughs> Not just because you have it. <laughs> it's kind of COVID and kind of not, but they had the debate with, with Gary and, and Jamie, my boys, on a, on Friday night, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Friday. Uh, about teams postponing games now because of AFCON and injuries as well as COVID. And I don't really understand why teams are being allowed to do that, if I'm honest. I think if it's if it's a genuine COVID outbreak, you know, you've got that's that's a health and safety concern for your team and the other team staff, et cetera, et cetera. But as far as injuries go, that's an AFCON. These are things we've dealt with for years and years. And yeah, things are a bit more stretched this year because of COVID and because of the last couple of seasons being so tight and a and a winter World Cup next year. I get all of that, but we do have youth teams and teams like Leeds and West Ham put on a game on Sunday where their benches were mostly filled with younger players, particularly Leeds. They had a lot of players out and they both decided to play. They felt that they could they could still play. And you've got other teams, Man U are one, not to just pick on Arsenal. Arsenal did it as the latest example that... Um, I think Burnley have done it. Uh, there's, I mean, most teams have done it now, so I'm not exactly picking on anyone. But we're never going to finish the season if, oh, I've got a couple of key players in midfield out, so we're going to put in a request to the Premier League to to get it off. I, I it doesn't sit very well with me. I, you say not to signal out Arsenal, and I do think that's fair. But I think it was the fact that in the Arsenal press release, it was the first time they, <coughs> they identified that after. On suspension was also playing a part into it, and the fact that it was such a high-profile game has sort of kicked the conversation into overdrive. Dave, what do you make of the whole situation? Yeah, I think it's a bit ridiculous. They've let it go away from being about COVID cases, just absentees as a whole. So, say say you've got key players out because some are at Afcon, some are injured. Uh, some are just not fit. Maybe they're coming back from injury anyway. They're just allowing them to cancel 
And really, they should only be allowing any team to not field a team if they have a full COVID outbreak like we saw last year and earlier this season, uh, where, you know, if there was an outbreak, it was confirmed there was several cases and not just one or two key players. At the end of the day, injuries are something within football. I mean, COVID's different, but if if it's like one person out with COVID and you've got loads of injured players, then you should should be putting out of the players. You've got a 25-man squad. You've got young players. What does it say to the young players if you'd rather cancel a game than give some of them a chance? I think it's obviously within reason. Like, if a team has a genuine COVID outbreak, fair enough. But it seems to be now that it's just how many absentees do you have and not even how many COVID cases. It's just ridiculous. Like Mike says, you literally never finish the season. Never, never have to go season. straight into the next one with this with this Winter World Cup. This is don't get me fucking like started it. on that. Yeah. Um. So, are we blaming the Premier League for the rules? Are we blaming the clubs for taking advantage of the rules? Do both? Is it a bit of both? I think it's yeah. I think I mean I think it is the rule. Clearly, it's the rule because the teams are taking advantage of it and getting away with it. But uh. So I guess what do you expect teams to do if they know they can they can push it? They're going to push it, aren't they? Because they want their best teams on the field. Mm. It That's is in- the way it works. It is interesting that you consider the Premier League and it's all it's branding about being the best league in the world and its organisation and things like that and how it copes with this stuff. But and it is on the quite often ahead of it. But like you look at La Liga, for example, I think they've had no postponements and the whole idea is that if you have a total of any thirteen players available and at least five are from your first team, you have to play. All right, see, I would I would back that 100%. Makes a lot of sense. Every Makes... game in the FA Cup pretty much plays, and that's because yeah. their rule is you have to play young players. You have to get yeah. a team out. My One of my issues with the Premier League is I, I don't understand how it's being applied, because I don't think it's being applied fairly across the board now I look at Arsenal versus Brentford opening game of the season I look at that and I look at the six cases that Arsenal had which to me would constitute an outbreak and yeah. would, would leave everyone at risk and is the time when you really shouldn't be having that and I would call off that game it it's as clear as it's as clear as day to me that's an actual COVID outbreak um yeah. but that game went ahead probably because it was a marquee game um and it was the first one back and they didn't want to start the season off with the cancellation if if we're being honest, that's probably what happened. Yeah, and now you look at the North London derby where Arsenal have got a few cases. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and um, they sort of like we've also got Afcon issues, and it gets called off. And you're sort of like, well, how's the Premier League? Okay? How's the Premier League okay that, but not okay that over there? And then if you're allowing if you're allowing Arsenal to have the game off because they've got a few people missing, how about we look back to I know Christmas period. I'm I, I'm sorry. I'm going to mention us because I just the one I can think of the Wolves game where we had to rush two midfielders back who were injured to play in the middle of the park and filled the bench with goalkeepers and youth lads. Like how's that one going ahead and this one at the weekend being called off? I mean, how are Leeds allowed to play ever if we're going to call things off like this? Like Arsenal a few Leeds weeks could ago. Could have had their last two months look, off. Arsenal battered Leeds a few weeks ago and they probably they might have beaten Leeds anyway. But the reason they battered them was because they were playing the kids. Mm-hmm. And it just feels completely off to me. Le- Leeds have been playing this whole time, and they don't—I don't know if they have been, but 
they don't seem to have complained that much. They're, no, they're, they'll just they'll just cobble together a team and they'll be out there. Yeah, and and they, sh- I mean, they should be commended for that. But the Premier League really should they be, should be yeah. the Premier League really should be sitting there going, no, something and wrong it, here. If it, but look, the worst thing, the thing that's worse than a bad rule is a bad rule that's applied unfairly. So if you go, if you're going to stick with this rule, it has to be applied to everyone, and everyone's going to have to be able to access it. But sort your rules out, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a rule issue because the teams are always, well, a lot of the teams are always going to take advantage of it if they can. And rightly so. That's their prerogative. That's what they're going to do. Look, in, entire careers can um, uh, can hinge on relegations and stuff. I will mention that it did the Arsenal, North London derby being called off led to my favourite Twitter exchange of the weekend, which was this. Jamie O'Hara tweeted, what's uh, the point okay. in having an academy if when you need to call on the young players you develop for years, they're deemed not good enough? The whole point is to wait for an opportunity to arise, but instead they want the games called off. Shrug emoji, hashtag Premier League. Joe... OMC, Joe MC99 on Twitter, the legend, said, you buy better players if they're not good enough. I'll give you an example. In 2003, Arsenal had a player called Jamie O'Hara in their academy. They decided he was crap and bought Cesc Fabregas again. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Really good stuff. Yeah, And I do think Arsenal have been unfairly singled out for this. I do think they're getting a bit more heat than teams, if they weren't Arsenal, would get heat. Like, if Burnley did this, no one would care. If Newcastle did this, no one would care. Most people but, want those games called off yeah, on a weekly basis. One of the big teams does this, and particularly <laughs> Arsenal people want to kick him. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that, we've got time for a Joel Intimate report, and then we'll go into the new segment. Mike, how did he get on? Uh, that is a great question, actually. They did actually. They did play, which is a good start. Did Joel Linton play? He did. It's a seven point eight from midfield from Joel Linton on who scored. So I, it looks like he had a decent game, to be honest. Yeah, first time in a while. Um, listen to questions yet? Yeah. Our Azerbaijan league correspondent, Mr. James Yates, has come back with two. Um, gonna have to be quick hitters, I'm afraid. The first one is, what do you make of VAR being used in some FA Cup grounds and not in others? Oh, it's total rubbish. Ridiculous. Dave? Yeah, if you can't use it in some grounds, then you shouldn't use it in any grounds. Because, for example, you you then bring the whole sort of integrity of the competition into competition, uh, into question, sorry. For example, if you have a Premier League fixture and a goal gets disallowed, but then in a similar, in another game in the same round, there is no VAR and the same thing happens, but it gets given. The whole integrity is into question because that goal shouldn't have counted if there was VAR across the board. On the other foot, maybe if VAR wasn't applied in that Premier League game, well, Premier League ground for the competition, then that goal would have stood and then you're changing the cup tie. So if you can't give it to everyone, it shouldn't be in there at all, is my opinion. Mike, do you agree with Dave? Yeah, I don't really like it. And apparently uh, some of the lower league teams had to cover half the cost as well for the for the VAR in games oh, that it was. Off. That's ridiculous. In games that it was in that they were playing in, even though it uh, doesn't seem to make sense to me. Would you be would you be OK with it 
coming into play for the games at Wembley? Or is that still yeah. integrity of the competition? Because technically it's different to the opening oh, rounds. What do you think? I think I'd be okay with that. I think I'd be okay. I think with I'd be okay with that too. I'd rather get the decisions right in the semis than the final. Okay. Yeah. That's right, obviously what Bar does. <laughs> it did in the Carabao Cup game last week. Let me tell you, <laughs> fucking Andre Mariner. He was Wazzock of the week for those keeping uh, counts. <laughs> um, Yates has got a, a question which we talked about before, which I think might be a quick answer. Why is fixture congestion so much more of an issue today compared to 10, 15 years ago? Dave, do you want to take this one? Uh, yeah, I think it's. I think it's. Oh, I'm, I'm trying to think. Well, we we had a discussion about this. We didn't did we? talk about this, didn't we? So, so there's a few reasons. So I mean, I, I remember what my thoughts of it were, but you, I remember you. There was other things that we discussed that was actually more like there. So I said, I said, and the reason I think it is is because in the advent of the modern game pressing it's become much a bigger thing like you look at all the big teams now they're constantly on the move they defend from the front foot whereas if you go if you go and watch some games of the 2005s i know we've all got really fond memories of them but a yeah. lot of them are attack defend into a deep drop back into a deep block rinse and repeat versus the two there's there's a lot less pressing and it it, it also feels a lot less physically involved um, really with the advent of like Pep and some of this and then into Klopp and all the new ways they like to press and win the football back, that puts such a demand on players' legs. And then when you when you encounter the fact that there's so much more games on TV now and there's the double legs of the Carabao, you've got more Champions League and European competitions and qualifying rounds, it feels like there's more games than ever domestically and internationally and when you combine that with the fact that you have to do more running than ever during the games that's why fixture congestion and recurring injuries feels like, like a much worse thing nowadays that's at least where I stand on it yeah I think also you can add maybe there's more of an understanding of player wealth there so maybe the players have a platform definitely. to speak out about it that they didn't have before so I think that, that definitely plays into it as well in the fact that their complaints are more sort of taken seriously rather than just necessarily brushing the carpet like they used to be taken seriously unless you're at Manchester United under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in which he's going to run you into the ground if you're Marcus Rashford he's going to play you through your skin until eventually you can barely walk anymore and you've been playing through your injuries for three years and then idiot fans start criticising you I'd stand with Marcus Rashford, let me tell you. Let's get him let's get him a 20 game break where he doesn't play so we could actually save his Career. Christ alive. Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer to a trial for negligence. That's what I say. Anyway. That was just for Thanks you. Thanks for sending the questions in, yet. Yeah, in next week, no send state. us in your match report for the Azerbaijan League, please. The fans want to hear. Yeah, I believe Carabag play not too far from where you are. so. Not in the Carabag Cup, though. No, fortunately not, because that's two legs. That is true. That is two. Dave, we're entering into a new segment here, which is called Twitter's Terror Takes, the Triple T's. <laughs> um, ladies oh, and gentlemen, as you know, there's a lot to choose from here. <laughs> as you know, David Harris likes to spend a lot of time on Twitter, as he freely admits a lot of his thoughts are influenced by various things he's seen on Twitter. So what me and Mike have asked him to do is every week he's going to find us a terrible football tweet or thread, and he's going to not tell me and Mike what it is beforehand, and he's going to ask us to react live on the podcast. Dave, take it away. Yeah, basically, there was this this thread this guy did, which was absolutely mental. It was just basically a thread of 
player versus player, who do you think is best? Um, it wasn't one of those retweet for someone, like for someone. It was just in the replies. But my word, some of the comparisons. Okay. How, how many are there? There's 65. Okay, we'll do 20. Are you, are you, do you want me and Mike to pick each one, which one we think? As well as React? Okay, great. Here we go. Here we go. So we're starting with Van Dyke versus Vidic. Who you think's better? Ooh, some of them are awful. Too, some of them are awful, but some of them are too like, Yeah. Maybe like Rio versus. Yeah, if it was Rio versus Van Dyke. I'm always going to go Nemanja. Sorry. <sighs> You're welcome to tie break because I uh, think Will's going to say Van Dyke. I'd rather have Van Dyke. Yeah. In the modern game, Van Dyke any day of the week. Yeah, 100%. One thing I would say yeah. about Vidic is longevity, I suppose, though. No, I'll go Vidic, actually. Yeah. He played for longer. He, 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 was, he, was, he was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Ask me at the end of Van Dyke's career. That might change, but... Yeah, that's, that's true. Okay, there wasn't too much terror in that one. Okay. Jordan Henderson versus Dennis Burkamp. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Hey, how old is the person that made this? I honestly don't know. They don't. They don't, <laughs> they don't even play the same position. Uh, there's no right. information. I like Jordan. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good captain. I mean, the oh, literally the only thing he has over Dennis Bergkamp is he can play away European games. That is the only thing. Yeah, the, the only thing. Camp. It's Dennis Bergkamp. It's not even close. Dennis Bergkamp's in our top 15 Premier League players of all time. Come on, that get is a ludicrous comparison as well. Okay. That's Twitter at its best, that is. Tiago oh. versus Nedved. Who's the first one? Tiago, as in now plays for Liverpool, versus Nedved. What? <laughs> not even close to a positional comparison. <laughs> Again? Yes. <laughs> Uh, right, Nedved played in Syria <laughs> at its peak and won a Blonde Door. Yeah, Thiago's a very good player, but that's a ridiculous comp. I, I don't know if... Thiago got better hair too. No, Nedved's got better Nedved hair. Nedved better hair. Look at that, Blonde Locks, come on. Okay, well, this one's going to... Mark Ineos versus Ricardo Cavalier. Not even a question, Ricky C. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Marquinhos good. Marquinhos. Marquinhos is good, I think. But Ricky C. Ricky Champions, C. Champions League reporter. Unbelievable. Best part of the best ever Premier League defence. Played with cig- cigar slippers, all of that. Just you put him in the game now, he still would look good. I'm sorry, way better than Marquinhos. Not even close. Okay. Kimmich versus Michael Ballack. What? That is a weird stylistic comp. Yeah, I know. Honestly, these <sighs> are baffling. Uh, I, I don't really know on that one. I think... I, look. Probably Ballack. I think probably Ballack. But it's... If you're he was comparing like a powerhouse the, of, of a team. He could, he could put a team on his back, like on his own. Yeah. I, I was mean, scared when United used to go to the bridge and Ballack was there, and that wasn't even yeah. like the best Michael Ballack, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
what I would say about Balak is he he was also part of that Leverkusen team that went to European Cup final as well. And then he went to Bayern Munich and was successful. Then he went to Chelsea and was successful. He had good international success, even with a, a rough Germany team. Whereas you look at Kimmich, he's, he's played in a time where Bayern have dominated the league and Germany have, in a part, dominated world football. I still think he's a really good player, both as a right-back and a midfielder. Uh, that might be one where you revisit the end of the career and you think about it differently. But right now, Balak for me. Okay. This one's going really well. Bruno Fernandes versus Frank Lampard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, stop. Oh, I guess they're both penalty takers. Oh, my God. (sighs) Do I have to answer that? Well, that is, that, that is offensive. By the way, Will, I agree with you. That is not offensive. Close. It's not even close. Look, not Bruno, remotely close. Lampard is better in every single facet of the game than Bruno Fernandes could ever hope to be. Also, even if you think Bruno's been good, he's he had like a good 18 months. He's not even been good this year. Like, Lampard was at the top. How... Well, you'll know well. How high up the list of all-time Premier League scorers is he from centre midfield? 177 goals. He's top 10, isn't he? I think. Yeah. I think Rooney, Aguero, Rooney, Aguero and Shearer, I think, are ahead. Maybe maybe Andy Cole, too. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable finisher, Lampard. My personal favourite player of all time. Not even close. I, Bruno Fernandes. He's not getting outdone by Bruno Fernandes, let me tell you. Bruno Fernandes is the best worst player in the Premier League right now. Yeah. He's, he's not. Okay, so as oh, I warned you, these still get worse from here. They get Diego worse from here. Diego Costa versus Didier Drogba. Now you see, this one's not terrible. Yeah, don't worry, I'm not going to give you all the worst ones in a row. No. Well, it's Drogba. Yeah, I think Drogba too, but Costa was a heck of a player. What I'd say, two, two things for Drogba. I do think Diego Costa is probably a better league goal scorer. Um, I mean, his record for Chelsea would tell you that. Um, thing is with Drogba, and everyone always thought, I know like this, this talking point gets pulled out all the time, and people always, I don't think people quite understand it. His record in cup finals is ridiculous. Like, he's the ultimate big game player. You need a goal in a cup final. Didier Drogba's getting it for you. And I do think that's to count for something. But also the way that you think they used to play two up front in the Premier League and then Drogba came along and it sort of became a bit more... He could handle everything up there and he was just a... He could occupy both centre-halves. He was just a monster of a player. And Costa was a very, very good player who I've got a soft spot for. But At least stylistically, that's a fair comp. Yeah, that's actually close. Okay, Kylian Mbappe versus Wayne Rooney. Shit. It's Wayne. It's Wayne. It's Wayne. But Mbappe at the end of his career, I mean, could be. Oh, yeah, you've you been that in years, and it's probably not Wayne anymore. But look, the one, look, Mbappe's got World Cup, so and was probably the best best player in that team. So I'm not gonna. You can't do respect him but people forget how good Wayne Rooney was man and how good he was for so long so 100% he was he was unbelievable for years and years he, he just an incredible player 
And I saw a Phil Foden way really comp the other day, and it's not a competition. Yeah, I saw that also. Uh, Phil Foden's going to be a good player for a long time. I th- when you Wayne Rooney was coming through, I thought he was going to be the best player in the world. Yeah, 100% I thought he was. There was arguments at times. And, but... and some years, I thought he was maybe just second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sergio Ramos versus Maldini. Maldini. Maldini's the far better defender, isn't he? You don't want to see the amount of quote tweets saying Ramos all day long. I was like, yeah. surely it's Maldini. Easily. They're, they're for people that hadn't watched Maldini, surely. Because that thing was like art. It's interesting because as comps go, you would say that it's not the worst one in the world because both were fullbacks who also played centre half for long periods of career. Oh, I quite Mal- like the comp. But... Yeah. Maldini, excellent for what it's worth. I, I've all my I've, look. We've been on this pub before talking about Sergio Ramos. I I think he's I think he's going to let you down with his discipline in big games. And I know he's won a lot of big games, so that sounds ridiculous. But I feel like it, you. I feel like if you're an opposition looking at Sergio Ramos, you think to yourself, we get a chance. Whereas if you were looking at Maldini, you probably were thinking, get no change out of that. Mm. Yeah, we'll have to go down the other side. <laughs> yeah. To yeah. find Nesta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good luck. Jordi Alba versus Javier Zanetti. Come off it. Jordi Alba. I mean, he's a good player, but come on. He's not fit to lace Zanetti's bloody boots. <laughs> oh, I'll leave you with one more. David Alba versus Ashley Cole. Get out. Get Alibur's, the fuck out. Alaba's not even fit to be Ashley Cole's kit man, I don't think. Ashley Cole's the best left-back of all time. Yeah. Maybe, English, uh, maybe England's greatest ever defender while I'm at it, so there you are. Is there any other he ones? He was bloody amazing, wasn't he? They did some managerial did you, ones you see what you, for ages. Do you see what he used to do to prime Ronaldo? Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, a, I'm an Ashley Cole man as well. I'm... The only the worst thing Ashley Cole ever did was been unlikable. Yeah, yeah. That was the worst thing he ever did. It's a shame for him because then people forget how good he was. But there you go. There's, I've said it many times. There should be a statue of him on the near post at Chelsea for how many times he kicked it off the line. That would seem like a good home. <laughs> <event>. <laughs> it would, wouldn't it? Only for forty-five <laughs> minutes though. Yeah, true. Then he got to shoot at the same goal. <laughs> Do you know, I thought that was going to be worse than it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's more its more the frustration that, like, on the whole, the players are carrying on awful. Bergkamp. No. Bergkamp. This is hilarious. I'm yeah, sorry. but they're literally not even in <laughs> positions. There was also one in there comparing Kaka, Kaka to Lewandowski. Like, yeah, like that's not even a close comparison in terms of positionally. Like, what, what on earth? If you, if you, I mean, if you, are, are they asking you? What I would love to know: Are they asking you to compare how good they were at their position compared to how good the no. other one was at their position, or are you asking them to compare the actual players? Because Kaka and Lewandowski do nothing similar. Literally nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nothing at all. Literally nothing at all. The goal wins out of that. The, I'll leave you with two good ones, actually. Yeah. Good work, I think Lewandowski wins 
quite frankly. By the way, congrats, Robert, on your FIFA's best player. It's a shame that you didn't get the French football Ballon d'Or. Quick question. How does Donnarumma get in the World Eleven and Edouard Mendy win goalkeeper of the year? <laughs> what are we that doing? So Have you seen it? Is it the world, sorry, the World Eleven. I know, we'll get back on topic. It's like Garth Crooks has picked it. There's four strikers in it. Oh, no. Oh, you know, I follow BBC Sport on Instagram or, or whatever it is. And every every couple of days, you get some Garth Crooks quotes on there. And it's like, I just don't want to read these. I'm Honestly. not interested in Garth Why Crooks. has he got a career? Oh. How has he still got a job? I'll never forgive him for saying Ledley King was better than John Terry. Like, come on, Garth. Even you don't believe that. If he does believe that, that's a fireable offence. I saw one comparison of goalkeepers that I actually think is really interesting. Neuer versus Casillas. That's a generally good one, I think. Neuer. It's probably Neuer, isn't it? Neuer revolutionised. Yeah, I was going to say, revolutionised sweeper keeper, didn't he? Ike Casillas had an unbelievable career, but how much of Ike Casillas' latter career, when when he went the end of Madrid... When he Porto. went to Porto, that yeah. has to count against him. Whereas Neuer's probably in one of his like last seasons now, and he won the Champions League a year or so ago. Just signed a new deal, did he? Yeah, I mean, Manuel Neuer, like you talk about sweeper keeping that performance at the World Cup. I mean, Class. yeah, I mean both unbelievable players. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is a fun one, though. Nice way to finish. That, well that, done. That yeah, that would make sense. Um, Dave, if the people want to follow you on Twitter to see more of these terrible takes that you're trying to follow up, um, where can they find that? It's at Rafa Benitez is no longer a good manager. Rafa Benitez <laughs> Web, if you want to follow that turd. Uh, Mike, if the people want to follow you to find out more about Joel Linton and N-Dubs and all the other fun stuff you do, where can they do that? <laughs> There's a lot going on on my Twitter, let me tell you. Uh, at Michael yeah. Breswood on Twitter for that. Yeah, and if you want to, you can follow me at Worm17, where I'll be furiously creating uh, photoshops of Rafa Benitez as Al from to- the Toy Barn. Um, but please don't follow us there. Please instead follow us at In Around Pod, where you can see all the sarky t- tweets we've liked and also keep up with the latest news from the episode. Um, we'll be back next week with no doubt another dazzling display of positivity and a few more bad tweets but until then good night cheers